Chapter 20 of Homecraft Rugs, Their Historical Background, Romance of Stitchery, and Method of Making by Lydia LeBaron Walker. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Joanne Turner. Shuck or Corn Husk Mats Shuck mats are distinctive as well as the essence of thrift, for in them it would appear that something for nothing has been attained. The mats are made and sold by the mountaineer women of Tennessee and Kentucky. Occasionally, after the husking season, when shucks abound, the mats are made also by women on farms scattered over the country. Those who buy the mats delight in unusual and ingenious folk craft that is really good. So these mats have the distinction of gracing the floors as outer doormats in the homes of the wealthy and the poor alike. They are democratic in their adaptability to surroundings and in looking equally well suited to each type of house. The mats are preeminently doormats or floor coverings for verandas. For the latter purpose, they may be so large that the term rug would be natural to apply to them, just as it is used for grass and fiber mats. The name mat is so accurate and descriptive, however, that it seems a pity to abandon it for the more aristocratic name of rug in the lore of floor coverings. The word mat signifies a texture of sedges, flags, or rushes, and rushes are described as anything proverbially worthless. Corn shucks, by right of texture and value, fulfill both conditions. They are closely allied botanically to the plants mentioned and have been counted as worthless, proverbially, since the days of the prodigal son. To convert the shucks into attractive and useful mats is an achievement comparable only to the manipulating of rushes into seats for chairs. It is worthy of note that just as rush-bottomed chairs enjoy a renaissance periodically, so also do corn husk or shuck mats. Beyond a doubt, shuck mats have their origin and inspiration from necessity. They cost absolutely nothing, if homemade, except the thread with which the braids are sewed together. Yet they have a fascination apart from price valuation. The color is pleasing with its insistent variation of the natural tone characteristic of dried shucks. The braided work is a favorite in rug craft. The durability of the mats is remarkable. The rapidity of the work is appealing. The ingenious thriftiness tickles the fancy, and the mat has an element of the out-of-doors about it that immediately presupposes a place by the threshold of some outside door or on a porch. The medium is so admirably suited to the purpose of the mats that they bear the stamp of consistency, always gratifying. Ingenuity is an essential ingredient of handicraft, and while thrift was the reason for shuck mats originally, it was ingenious thrift requiring imagination. Indeed, it was inventiveness solely that inspired one young woman living in the beautiful Berkshire Hills to make a shuck mat. She told me that after watching her brother splice ropes, she conceived the idea of splicing corn husks.
wishing to make her strands prove useful as her brother did his rope, she concluded to braid them and see if she could not make a doormat. It took her just one week to braid and sew enough spliced corn husk strands for her mat. Her success in this venture can be reckoned by the fact that the mat was used for many years at the side door of the farmhouse, where it had the opportunity to test its strength daily by constant service in the wiping off of dusty and muddy boots. It was made for use, and it had it in full measure. For porch mats, the dried shucks can be dyed to give them color, which can be introduced into borders and bands. One hue may suffice, or several may be included. The field should be in the natural tone and also border bands, separating those of color. For veranda and sun porch floor coverings, large shuck mats can be made. These, when finished with ornamental borders, have the attractiveness of the fancy grass rugs now so much in evidence for porches. In connection with the dyes used for the borders, it is wise to prepare quite a bit more than needed at first. It is impossible to calculate with definiteness the amount of shucks that should be dyed for a given length of braid, since the size of sedges is so variable. By using the precautionary measure of having extra dyes, the identical shade can be duplicated in the easiest way. Collecting shucks for mat making is a simple matter if one lives on a farm where corn for the table or for fodder is raised. Even if one lives in the city and corn is a favorite vegetable, the shucks will accumulate surprisingly fast. The husks should be separated, spread out and dried, preferably in the sun, bound into bundles and saved like rags for rugs. Then, when the opportunity comes, the shucks can be braided and the mat-making progress whatever the season of year. The work is not without fascination and the result gratifying. If the rug maker chooses, she can start splicing and braiding the strands as soon as the shucks are dried. This I have found satisfactory. The preparation of the shucks and the plating of them into braided mats is fraught with no difficulties. It is akin to the original mat-making of prehistoric times, for it is generally agreed that floor coverings with any semblance of weaving were first made of grasses, sedges, and the like. They were intertwined to form a continuous flat surface, even though an uneven one. Today, more finesse is used in the making of mats of like character, the rudiments of weaving that the Aborigines employed are apparent in their simplicity in braided shuck mats, while in textiles we have the weaving developed to the highest degree. It is easy to see that if the primitives, with all their handicaps, made floor coverings of plated strands, modern people more privileged than they can fashion braided shuck mats with facility. The strands for braiding should be made from as many shucks as will form a width from three-quarters to one inch wide when united in a three-strand braid. Braids of this size, when slightly dampened, are as pliable as fabric. This they should be during the process of sewing together when the mat is being made. 
Wider braids can be used, but they are not so manageable. Start each strand by binding three, four, or five shucks together, alternating wide and tapering ends so that the bulk is equalized at the top and for some distance down the strand. Do not attempt to have husks come out evenly at the ends. This must be avoided, for it would mean the simultaneous introduction of another set of husks, and the joining would be noticeable. It is the continual inserting of one husk after another at irregular intervals that splices the strand together evenly and firmly as spliced rope, which is as strong at the juncture of joining as at any other part. Another matter of importance is to keep the strand of uniform size. There should be no bulging nor diminishing of size that would be noticeable after the strands are plated. It soon becomes second nature to detect discrepancies in strands. As soon as one is noticeable in any strand, Tuck the tip of another husk under one of those in the strand so that the joining is invisible and no loose end sticks out. Continue the process of splicing and braiding the strands throughout the entire length needed for the rug, unless it is an extra large size. Then it may be easier to finish off a braid and sew the end as neatly as possible to the wrong side of the rug. When another length of braid, such as a gay border, is completed, begin the sewing again. Do not start it where the other ended, but at some other spot, thus preserving a uniformly even surface. Shucks can be braided after they are partially dry, but not while they are green. Then they are too tender and are liable to tear. Moreover, they will mildew and discolor and instead of having the soft play of color shading from a deep cream to corn color with occasional wisteria hues, spots will appear. Shucks braided when nearly dry are pliable. If absolutely dry, they should be wrung out in a damp cloth precisely as if they were raffia. Do not immerse in water, for then they get so wet that the danger of mildewing returns. As soon as a few yards of braid are finished, the sewing of the mat can begin. This I have found preferable to waiting until all the braiding is completed. Dampen the braid slightly to make it flexible. This is imperative if a round mat is to be made, for the curves are sharp in the center and the strain on strands should be relieved. The forming and sewing of shuck braids into mats is precisely like that of other braided rugs in round and oval shapes. These are the two styles in which shuck mats are made. End of chapter 20